you repair my marriage or not, you're good. Sunday school, y'all better get out of here because I'm about to preach right now with you here. how much the world's mindsets you know we used to think it was just Marlboro cigarettes and alcohol but it's the concepts of the world that get a hold of us and it brings us into a relationship with God because the fact of the matter is God's not going to heal everybody God's not going to fix every problem oh I'm a downer preacher ain't I But if I can get my eyes off the problem and get it on him, I got a better chance of him maybe doing it. Or what's even better, maybe he won't ever do it, but I'm going to overcome by the power of the blood and the Holy Ghost in me. That's why people say, well, man, you don't need the Holy Ghost. It's not essential. I'm, I'm telling you, that's one of the most, I'm going to say like Paul, he called him a moron. Oh, it's in your Bible. Go, I can find it for you. He said, that's just crazy. Why would you want to say, well, it's not. No, here's the issue. You and I got issues we don't want to let go of. And we don't want to lose control. So that's why the Holy Ghost don't work. I tell y'all, I'm preaching already. I'm trying to save somebody and help them. Because here's the thing. Our hardnesses is going to pass on to the next generation. They watching mama and daddy and grandma and grandpa. And whatever you and I do, you say, well, my mom and daddy did it. Then break the cycle. You can be a new creature in God today. You could be a brand new grandpa, a brand new daddy, a brand new aunt, a brand new uncle. And you could change the world. That's, that's all it takes. Luke chapter 14 and verse 15. Luke 14 and 15. Sister Beth, we're going to read it, but then I want you to go back to the starting verse and keep it there for me. Don't let the screen go black on me in the back. And uh, if you want to, you can jot down Mark 6, uh, 6 and 1, maybe if, if I get there. Uh, we, we can use that too. Luke 14, 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Remember that verse. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them, that were bidden come for all things are now ready and I want you to remember that one as well he sent the servant and then he said come two two actions here and they all with one consent began to make excuse the first said I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. 
And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and shewed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out in the highways, hedges, and compel them to come, that my house may be filled. Verse 23, remember that one as well, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of the supper. Verse 25, and there went great. I know it's a change, a stanza there. There's a change, but yet it's not a proper change. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said, If any man come unto me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, brethren, sisters, yea, in his own life he cannot be my disciple. We're going to talk about it today. I feel a strong hand of deliverance in this building today. That if you came in here with something that you're not able, I'm not talking about habits, that's flesh. But if you need a breakthrough in your life today, the hand of the Lord is in this place today and you can leave delivered of whatever it is you're facing. I feel that strong anointing in this place today. I want to preach to you from this thought, the invitation has been sent. Lift your hands and ask God to talk to us. Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the power that the word holds. God, I'm just a man, your delegated authority to administer it. But I'm asking you today, let your word go forth with a power, a profound power, an exponential power that would touch the heart, the mind, the spirit. God, help our hearts to be willing. Open our hearts. I plead the blood over this place today, every heart and mind, that we could receive that word with an open and honest heart today that lives could be transformed and changed. That's why we're here, God. I'm asking you today in Jesus' name, according to your will. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus does a lot of talking about the kingdom. A lot of talk about the kingdom. And that first uh, verse, second verse, uh, he begins to talk about the kingdom. It's in verse 15, Sister Beth. Verse 15 is where I want to start from. He talks a lot about the kingdom. And uh, he, he makes reference to it several places other than just here. And this is, this is a foreign concept. Try, try to stay with me here from the beginning. Because if you miss the beginning, I'm not just rambling. I want you to get this. Because if you don't get this, you're not going to get the end and the full impetus of it. He talks about kingdom. He talks about the kingdom of God. One of the most powerful scriptures that you and I have ever heard uh, from the mouth of the Lord was John chapter 3. When he came to Nicodemus at night, he came there, the, the rabbi or the, the leader, Nicodemus came, religious man, a man that had obviously studied scripture. And, and uh, he, he comes to Jesus and, and asks him the question, uh, you know, they say you're a teacher and we, we believe that, but uh, what, what, what's all this uh, that you're speaking of a kingdom? And it speaks specifically, Jesus says, for a man's got to be born again or he in no wise can enter, or oh, it says can see 
the kingdom of God in, in John chapter 3. So he gives us an understanding there that the kingdom of God, and he uses the word see specifically because it's something that's perceived by faith. And let me explain that for somebody. You don't have to have a Bible school education to understand faith. You don't have to have a theological degree and a, and a little tassel hanging and some fancy robe saying you're a theological master. Every man is given a measure of faith. That puts us all on an equal playing field. But now the difference is what do I do with that faith? That's when it talks about I'm going to bless this one and this one's not going to be. If you and I want to be in the group of blessing, then I got to take the faith that God gave me and I got to use it for what he wants me to use it for. I can't just, there's no such thing as faith that just sits there faith that does, that's why I'm so against anti-praise you've got to lift your hand you got to lift that's not a Pentecostal thing that's a word of God thing and every time I do it's an expression of that faith what are you saying oh no that's perceiving that's perceiving when I lift my faith I lift my voice I lift it's taking what's the intangible and making it tangible you can't see faith People come and say, I've been living for God for 70 years. I got faith. If you don't do something to show that, you are not. Right? Oh, I didn't get no amens there. But faith is expressed. You say, what are you saying, Brother Benoit? I can give you another scripture. A woman building the house. The Bible says she perceived that he was a man of God in Kings. And when that man of God came, the word perceive means yada in the original Hebrew. Hebrew yada means I perceive. I see something. I, I'm, I'm picking something up. But the word yada also translate, it translates praise. So when I perceive something, the connection with my perception is praise. If I don't praise, then I don't perceive. But if I praise, it's evident of my faith saying, I perceive what God's trying to do. Before you and I can ever get into this message, I need to know that there's some people here today, you're perceiving God's here for me. God wants to work in me. Or this message is over and we can go home and eat lunch. But I believe miracles are here. Salvation is here deliverance is here but I've got to perceive it first if we can't perceive it you die and brother Mark and tell it's just another message on a Sunday morning to pacify conscience but I'm here to declare there's invitations been sent before we ever got here today and God was already dealing with hearts before you ever got here. That's why you and I are here. You're not here to hear fancy preaching. I ain't no fancy preacher. You're not here to hear fancy singing. We ain't got fancy singing and fancy preaching. We got good singing, but we ain't got nothing fancy that would draw a crowd. But you hear me, I'll tell you what we do have. There's a group of people under the sound of my voice that's hungry for the things of God. And you were moved on by the Spirit of God before you ever closed your eyes last night. Something began to move on you and I. I'm preaching a saint, sinner, back. Slider. I'm preaching to everything that hath breath in his body. Your faith has got the ability to bring you into a place of the kingdom of God you've never been. We've kind of perceived it, he said to Nicodemus. It's all connected. John 3, kings and the woman perceive yada. There's an expression. And Nicodemus says, How? It's a question we all ask. 
How? How do I see the kingdom of God? That was all Jesus told him. He ain't told him nothing about water and spirit. He ain't said nothing about the depths of what this all means. He just says, you gotta be born again and if you don't, you can't see the kingdom. See, it puts a little bit of responsibility on me and you, Brother Daryl. Not that you earn salvation, but every man's given a measure of faith and it's up to me to activate that faith. What are you saying, Brother Benoit? If I'm ever gonna see the kingdom, I'm gonna have to let go of the past hurts. I'm going to have to let go of everything that's trying to drown my faith today. I, again, I, you don't know what I'm facing. I know what I'm facing in this building today. I could go to about six of you right now and say, you got, you got this, you got this. And, but here's what God's trying to say. I don't need you to do that today, Brother Benoit. I need somebody to realize you got faith, and that faith ain't dead. That faith's not over. God's just looking for you to proceed. That's why I'm saying just a little bit of a lifting of a hand, just a little bit of the turning back of a hand, just a little bit of a lifting of a voice activates the faith that you can begin to see what's the kingdom of God he's trying to tell Nicodemus you got to be born again you got to see this how do I do this as Nicodemus so here we've got Jesus laying out the kingdom and for you and I today that don't make no sense to the problem we're in today it's okay, you don't get honest, nod your head and say, Brother Benoit, I get it. What good's for me to get up here and preach the kingdom of God if I can't return back and ask the question, what is it? What do I do? If that question don't come back, it's falling on deaf ears and faith that has been incubated, crushed. But you see, everything about Jesus is more than just a crucifix on a wall. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than occupying a pew. It's more. And again, I say to somebody, I don't care what they've done to you. I don't care what saint hurt you, what preacher hurt you, what neighbor hurt you, what politician hurt you, what doctor hurt you, what psychologist hurt you, what mom and daddy hurt I don't care who they are. God will never, 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 never hurt you. God will never, never let you down. You may feel because you got performance mentality, but when you love him for who he is, you realize, there's nothing better to me than him walking with me. But I, I can't perceive it. I'm struggling. I asked the question. And what Jesus was trying to say was more than just trying to generate something from a religious man. We got religious people everywhere. That don't tell us anything. That don't mean they're saved. I know many of them. Lord, I've talked to him. We got rabbis, great people. They, they, ain't, they don't mean they're saved because they're a rabbi. Just because they're a preacher don't mean they're saved. Just because they got all the outer trappings of Pentecostalism, that don't mean they're saved. There's elements that that faith has got to be expressed. And Jesus comes and says, there's a kingdom that I'm setting the stage for. And this religious man comes to him and says, what does it take? What, what do I do to enter the kingdom? Now, if the kingdom of God is of no interest, see, but this is what's so challenging for me as a preacher today. I said it to somebody the other day. I'm fighting technology. Why do you think people are so tired of preaching? 
That's why if there's ever a time, Brother Darrell, it's like a quest. If it puts me in the tomb early, I don't care. Here's my request to God. God, whatever they need in this hour, give me that kind of anointing. Because I can't compare with Harry Potter. I can't compare with the superstars of Hollywood. I can't compare with singers and athletic people that they've made them into their God. I can't compare. But the anointing of God can break every yoke. It can break every chain. If we get the anointing moved in the kingdom of God so I say today the kingdom of God is for you but I can't shut off the voices in your head brother Daryl, brother Mike I can't shut off the voices of your past brother Mike I can't take I can't do anything about it the past cannot be changed it's done and I've used a little quote The only thing I can do, you cannot alter the past, but you can take the past and put it on an altar. You can't change what they did to you, but the kingdom of God, the invitations has been sent, and the kingdom of God is here today. And he's saying, I got a full-fledged banquet ready for you. And if you can lay aside religiosity, If it can lay aside traditional mindsets of past, if it don't light up in the word of God, then why are we following it? I'll tell you again, go study what I preach. If it ain't in the book, come see me. Come see me. There's a little pocket. I can feel it all. I felt it for, for years on end. Saying, well, the bro- Brother Benoit, well, where's that in the Word of God? Go to Mark 6. Thank you. I'm glad I did do it. It's a good one right now. It fits. Mark, the one I gave you, 6 verse 1. Jesus did such a powerful miracle. He went out from hence, came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. Next verse. And when the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? Jesus left the hometown, the Amplified Version. When did this man get these things, this knowledge and spiritual insight? And what is this confidence, this confident understanding of Scripture that's given to him? Even Jesus had people saying, Where did you get that in the book? And there's a little pocket that's all in Christianity in this area, this church, wherever it may be, saying, where'd you get that, Brother Benoit? You want to know who it was? It was the religious people that had been reading the Torah for years, and they never got the revelation of the Torah. So when you don't get a revelation of the Word of God, you question whatever word comes. And there's a pocket that's saying, well, who's this Jesus? Well, where does he get all this? I've been reading the Bible for 30 years. I ain't never got that out of that. They did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to me. Well, I've been reading it for long. I don't, I don't get that out of there. Then start asking God for a revelation of it. And you'll get some of these things that you think are just some preacher trying to lead you astray and tell you something that's not in the word of God. Get the revelation for yourself. It don't end there. Is this not the carpenter? Or is that not Brother Benoit? He just a little brogue hillbilly. I ain't a hillbilly, but I don't know. Cajun, that's a good one. He just an old brogue Cajun. Come from the world. Man, I've been living for God since Moby Dick was a minute. I'm saved. 
I've been living for God for so long. I know the word backwards and forward, but no revelation doesn't do me no good, Brother Roger. But if I get a revelation of it, I won't be in that group that questioned Jesus. I'm not saying don't question. Though. Take the word of God and learn it for yourself and let the word of God teach you that all of this stuff is in the book. Go back to Luke, Sister Beth. Luke 15. And I'm back in Nicodemus. And he says, what do I do? He said, the kingdom has come to be set. No, Beth, go to, go to John. Go to John 3. And he says, find the verse, Beth. I don't know where. You find it. Some one of them verses. Uh-uh, it's going to be a little bit, one more, two, three down. Go to four. And he says, Nicodemus said, how can a man be born? How can I be born again? See, because what Jesus was trying to teach them is it's about the kingdom. This isn't about Pentecost. This isn't about Baptist. This isn't about Catholic. This isn't about atheist. This isn't about satanic. This isn't about Wiccia. This ain't about Buddhist. This ain't about Confucius. This ain't about Unitarian. This ain't about Assembly of God. It ain't about none of that. It's about the kingdom of God. Notice Jesus didn't list any denomination. I'm not saying that we're, what I'm saying, we've got to be kingdom minded. And he says, how does a man enter into the kingdom of God? Next verse. He said, verily, verily, except a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he can in no wise enter. Now notice it just changed. First, Jesus says in verse 2, he said, you can't see it. So if you don't take the faith that you have and say, I'm hungry for more, God, reveal it to me in your word. That's why I said, take the label off of Pentecost. Take the label off of the hurt of yesterday. Take the label off of whatever it is and just ask God, God, I want more. And if you ask him for more, God is able to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He said, I abundantly want to provide for you. And now it's changing. He says, I want to, you can't enter. If you're not born again. Next verse. That which is born of flesh is flesh. What he just said was is here's your, here's your struggle. Faith is telling you there's something more. But your flesh is telling you you can't. And Jesus has to correct him and said, That which is born again you can't do it of the flesh. You can't go back into your mama's womb again. That which is a flesh, the natural birth was done. I'm talking about a new birth, a brand new birth, a supernatural birth. But yet in Nicodemus's mind, he's trying to say, I'm not, see, he, Nicodemus was just like us. It's hard to comprehend the kingdom of God when you live with so much hell and chaos and confusion and hurt and disappointment and bitterness and unforgiveness. It's hard to, when a preacher comes and says, here's the kingdom. What's the kingdom? The kingdom is healing, wholeness. Jesus, all these stories in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what was Jesus doing? He was demonstrating the kingdom. Every time he raised somebody from the dead, every time he healed somebody of blinded eyes, every time he took the sick and raised them up, Brother Roger, he wasn't doing it to be an entertainer or a performer. He was doing it to display to everybody. If you want to know where the kingdom of God is, I'm showing you how my kingdom functions. Healing is in my kingdom. Deliverance is in my kingdom. Forgiveness is in my kingdom. Wholeness is in my kingdom. And Nicodemus is a religious guy. And he's struggling with flesh. Jesus said, that which is a flesh is flesh, that which is born spirit. Next verse. Marvel not that I say to you, you got to be born again. Next verse. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And here's what he said. you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. 
There's got to be two births that get you out of your natural birth. You got to be born of water. And you got to be born of the Spirit. You got to be baptized and you got to be filled with the Spirit. There's got to be a resurrecting of your spirit man. Because Adam fell, Brother Sean, and because Adam fell, your spirit man's dead. So, how do you resurrect the spirit man? How does new life come? You've got to get the Spirit of God living in you. You got to be filled with the Spirit. That's why anybody ever tell you the Holy Ghost is not essential? They need to read the Bible because they're not reading the Bible. The Bible says you got to be born of Spirit and you got to be born of the water. And if you're ever going to see what God has, has in the kingdom it's got to become an essentiality not an option not stp that i put in my gas tank it just lets me get a little bit further but it's the essential that's going to change my family it's going to change my home it's going to change my finance when i get god's kingdom everything changes i need some mature saints of god that know how to pray right now because everybody thinks i'm just kind of giving a fluff message and I got more messages than you got time to hear. From God. Not from a book. From God. And Nicodemus had to learn and understand, Sister Gail. You got to be born of water and of spirit. How do I know? The water's an easy thing. I'm born of the water. That's an easy. You go under and everybody says, how do I know you're born of the spirit, Brother Daryl? The Bible says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. It's very plain. And you hear the sound. The word sound in the original Greek means phone. It's where we get the word language. It means language. Let's put it in context. For the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the language thereof. But you cannot tell where it comes, and you can't say where it goes. So is every one of the Spirit. I don't know how much plainer we can make it. People say, I got the Spirit. If you ain't spoke with another language, you ain't got no Spirit. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to, that's why I need some mature saints to help me a little bit because I'm not sure some apostolics even believe that. God's trying to let somebody know I'm in the kingdom and he wants to heal you and deliver you and set you free. But my battle is trying to perceive. See, the invitation's been sent. He said, everyone that's born of the Spirit, you're going to speak a language. If you're going to see the kingdom, not just see it, but if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to be born of the Holy Ghost and speak another language you never spoke. Outside of that, there ain't no spirit. You can be a good. No, you can't even be good because according to Scripture, you shouldn't even call yourself good. According to the ancient Jews and rabbis, only God could be called good. Only God. And when we call ourselves good, you're antagonistically opposing Scripture. There's no man that's good. We're all sinners born in sin, shaping iniquity. But when I understand the Holy Ghost is sin to put me in his kingdom. Now go to Luke 14, 15. The invitation's been sent. Everything's been rolled out. He gave us the entrance. How do I get in the kingdom? You got to be born again. You got to speak with other tongues. That's how you get in the kingdom. That's the entrance way. But now what about, wow, I'm here. This is this scripture. He said, one of them, they sat at me. He heard these things. He said, blessed is he that shall eat. Here's what he's saying. Blessed is the man that eats the bread of the kingdom. Now watch me. When you're not in the kingdom, there's a difference between the bread of the kingdom and the bread of the world or self. Sometimes when you're, being, or you're hearing the bread of the kingdom, it's not always perceived as the bread of the kingdom. 
it's just a sermon. It's just another message. It's another tape that will go on file that we can archive and go back to later, Brother Bush, now, down the road. But what he says is, is, there's a certain bread that brings a blessing to you that's only from the kingdom. You don't get it from joining a church. There's blessings of that, but that ain't what he's talking about. He don't say nothing about that. He says, the blessing of the kingdom that brings this type of bread. Next verse. And he's saying there's something that God prepares for the people. He said a certain man made a great supper. Now Jesus is, is shifting gears. Because he knows anytime there's parables in the New Testament. It's earthly stories to relay a heavenly meaning. And for us, we, we, need, a heavenly, we need a heavenly revelation. But sometimes it don't always quite... So Jesus gives him a parable. He said, there's a man, a certain man. Don't give him no name. Jesus, there's specifics in that. A supper. He bade many. He made everything ready. Next verse. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden. Now here's what it says. He sent his servant at time to them that had already been bidden. The invitation had already been sent out, Sister Perkins. It had already gone out to everybody. So the invitation goes out. And while the invitation's out, he's saying the man is preparing the table. He's getting everything ready. Now you can take this even further. I'm not going this morning. Go read it from a Jew's perspective because it takes on a whole different meaning that I ain't got time to qualify today. I'm just going to hit you right quick and let's go home and eat. Next verse. And they, with one consent, begin to make the excuse. Here's what he said in the previous verse. I sent the invitation. I made the table ready. Let me ask somebody today. I'll never forget if Brother Chapani made this, made this statement. He was, brother, remember old Brother Roger Chapani, Brother Bushnell, Brother Chapani. He was a counselor, did really good things. And he, his family was messed up and broken, and, but tremendous, tremendous man of God. He, his mama gave him a birthday party, Brother David. Gave him a birthday party and had the birthday party, had it all set up, had the party hats. Brother Chapani tells this story that literally when you get done hearing his story, you'd be on the floor crying. He said mom had everything. She got the cake. They weren't very money people. They, they were poor, but she got a cake. She spent money on hats, party favorites. It's his birthday. He's just a little bitty old kid. And the time came. The room was set up. Everything was in place. The invitations had been all sent out. And he said he sat there watching the clock like any little boy would do. You think about Luke, Brother Roger. Think about your grandkids. They sit there and they look and wait for the clock for that birthday party. And he said the clock began to tick and nobody knocked at the door. And the clock ticked and nobody knocked at the door. He sat there for two, three hours as a little boy and nobody came to his birthday party. And I began remembering how he told it, how much it hurt him and how much it disappointed him. How all the preparations and the money that his mama didn't have but failed to spend and nobody showed up and the disappointment was there. Well, let me take that little story and apply it to this. When this man made this table, listen, hear this. I'm going to give you a little bit of Jewish background. Here's what it means. When he made that table, he was making it to let all the village people know of that community I'm making a table and people are to come. 
And if people don't come to his tabled party, banquet, it was a shame to the house owner that made the table. He was embarrassed. He was humiliated. So every time we reject God's invitation, he's got the table set. That's why I'm, I'm hungering so more, brother, but there's so much more. That preaching is not just preaching. But let there be an anointing that so compels somebody that if it's ever a time for you to live for God, live now. If there's ever a time for you to do for God now. If there's ever a time for you to praise God, praise him now. If there's ever a time to do right, do it now. Don't shame the Father. And it was a shame, an embarrassment to the whole community. Now, I'm going to bring it down to save people. Let me preach to the home folk. Visitors, just close your ears. It's an embarrassment to the kingdom of God when we don't eat of the things he put at our table. We're still having Sunday night services. God's moving, and I love Sunday night services. But you hear me. If that table's going to be set on Sunday night service, I'm not going to let it just be scratch my Pentecostal itch because I need to have service on Sunday night. I want to come because there's a banquet table, and God's, God's going to move in our prayer room before Sunday night service. God's going to move on Sunday night service. Come on, somebody. Let's don't shame the Father just because... to him because he did all the work he was humiliated because of the people and the next verse here's what he says and no 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 go back one more he said so when the invite he went and said it's now time another component I know I'm running out of time but hear me that even the verse before that sister Beth you don't have to go there I don't care I can quote it he said time the time has come it's come now the invitation sent, the table is set, it's time now. If we miss our time, this is what I keep preaching to families over and over, everywhere I go, don't miss your time. Don't miss the opportunity that if God says praise him, you pray. Don't miss the opportunity to spend time with him in prayer. Don't miss the opportunity to reach somebody and share with him the gospel. Don't miss the opportunity. The time has come. Don't let the master be shamed by my lack of moving. proud of you okay so that to be established but I'm using the example okay I love you there ain't nothing that could bring more shame to me than you not doing right got it but here's the kicker if you don't do right what did I do to make you do that what did I do wrong that you turned out the way you did see we don't get honest we don't want to look that in the mirror and say you know what I didn't pray fervently I just went over and did Mary had a little lamb of three high fathers and I was done Jesus I love you I love you I praise you 
ain't nowhere in the Bible where he said, whisper your word. He said, fervent effectual prayer. I'm saying God can't hear the whisper. But when you get desperate for something to happen, something wakes up in you. It's the kingdom coming alive in your heart. It's coming alive in your spirit. It's the kingdom making you realize, I got a banquet here for you. And I need you to respond like you've never responded before. Because I'm ready to bring not just you to the table. I got a son. I got a daughter. I got a backslidden family member. I'm ready to bring to the table. And I need you to realize the kingdom is now. It's time to come. But now watch. He goes, and he sent his servant supper time to them. They're bidding come. All things are ready. And they, with one consent, began to make an excuse. They said to them, I brought a piece of ground. Hold on. I'm too busy with work. I can't live for God. I'm too busy. I bought a piece of ground. I can't live for God. I need to go take her. Please let me be excused. In other words, give me mercy because I'm really trying to provide for my family, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all things shall be added unto you. Seek his righteousness. Seek him first. Next verse. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen to prove them. I pray you. I've consumed things. This ain't got nothing to do with work. This has got to do with tangible things. I'm too busy because I'm out playing with the horses. No pun, Brother Fontenot. Out there playing with horses, but you're too busy. The table's set. You're too busy playing on your boat. You're too busy playing on things. I'm all for vacations. This old time preaching ain't Debbie. Ain't good, ain't it? Nobody likes to hear that nowadays, though. We're too busy. Not to take take a vacation. My God, take a siesta. Don't get a margarita, but get a chip and dip. <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm telling you, and they make all the excuses. They consume yoke. I got to go tend to them now. I wonder if we wouldn't have all these things, would it be easier for us to live for God? People's asked me a hundred years, and, and please, I know this is the sacred cow of Southwest Louisiana. Okay, so I'm not against it. My God, thank you, Brother Dale. You give me, you give me deer. I ate it just last night again. But here's the sacred cow: sports and hunting and. Sacred cow. Now, nothing wrong with it as long as it don't come in between you and God. Don't tell me what to do. See, I feel that spirit rising up right now. You wonder why preachers like me don't. I, I'm not against oxygen. Man, look, go. I pray you kill 10 of them. Because you got to give tithe on that. I get a back strap. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Just don't let it ever become between you and him. That's no different than me. I don't play golf no more. I love golf. I love basketball. I was consumed with it. Man, I told you, I already said it. Before ESPN had 100 channels, I 24-7. That's all I did, Brother Darrell. But when it came between me and God, that's me. I got too many yoke, too many ox. Next verse. Oh, it's, you could hear a rat eating ice right now. I said, Brother Benoit, we got guests. My God, they're never going to come back. You hear me. God's going to bring hungry people that want to know truth. 
and whatever truth is, they're going to embrace it and they're going to love it. And I'm never going to, I'm not going to be unkind, but I'm never going to dial it back if the word of God says it. I want to, I want to be at the table and I don't want nothing to separate me, whether it's an ox, whether it's a, nothing separate me from the love of God, neither things present nor things to come. I'm not going to let nothing separate me. I told them young preachers this morning, and I'm not going to tell you everything I told them, but I made it very clear. Nothing will stop me from living for God or doing the will of God at whatever the cost. I remember Brother Billy Cole, Sister Cole, crying in the floor, weeping, saying, Billy, how long? When is this going to stop? Billy said, Brother Cole said to her, Shirley, I can't tell you when it's going to stop. All I can tell you is I got to do the will of God. Now he picked her back up and he comforted her and he tried to be there for her. But the will of God should never be thwarted. No matter money, popularity, entertainment, nothing. Next verse. Whoa, 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 that's it right there. Uh, 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 go back. I married a wife. Three components. Money. Opulence and possessions. Number three, family. What's going to stop us from eating at a table? Three things. He said, I, can't, I just married a wife. And she ain't going to let me come. She ain't going to let me come hang out. I got to stay home and I got to. I'm just kind of letting it just sink in just a little bit. Man, be the man of your home. Women, be the woman of your home. But let's do it all in order. Let's do it in order. And let's let nothing stop us. Not our kids, our marriage. You say, well, my God, I've said it before. Baby, I love you. I do. But if you go cuckoo and out there in left field... I'm still going to live for God. If you walk out, and I know you ain't, okay, but you leave me, I'm still going to live for God. No matter why, I'm not gauging him on performance. Oh, bless God, you got to get a hold to her and wring her neck. She's being stupid. No. <laughs> no, you laughing because you know that's what you said about your wife. <laughs> I got five of you right now. I go tap you on the shoulder and say, it's you. <sighs> oh, y'all done messed me all up. Because <laughs> I'm seeing now and I don't want that. Whew, shut that veil. I'm going to live for God no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. So I'm not letting the principle of his family steal my praise, steal my worship. Steal my prayer. Man, come on, we're apostolic, Pentecostal, kingdom people. I used the analogy the other day. I don't want to just be Pentecostal. I don't want to just be apostolic. I want to be a kingdom kid. That I walk into the presence of God with a smile on my face and say, God, you've been so good to me. Ain't nobody been better to me. You know what? My family may go crazy this may man. But you know what? I'm never going to gauge you, God, on performance. You've been still far better to me than anybody could have ever been to me. And I love you for who you are. Next verse, Sister Beth. I'm closing. 
servant came, shoot his Lord these things in the matter. Then the master of the house, now watch this. Now all these people that say Jesus and God is all lovey-dovey, sloppy-goppy. Jesus love me. Jesus got angry. He said the master got angry. Don't ever think God don't get mad at you and I. Don't be so foolish and self-righteous to think that God's really always happy. He's not happy with me. I'm going to tell you right now, he's not happy with me. Yesterday, he wasn't happy with me. Just God sees things like we don't see it. And it's not that he's angry wanting to destroy me and you. It's that he loves us so much. He lets things get all messed up in our families to realize, make us realize what's the main thing? That's serving him with our heart. That master got angry, go out quickly to the streets, lanes. He said, okay, if those that I called, now you can, again, rabbinical background, he was speaking to the Jews. It was the Jews. It was them self-righteous, Abel, I love you, but it was self-righteous Jews. And he said, okay, then I'm going to go to some Gentiles that never had a shot at this. And I'm going to give it to them. That's us. And he said, they go to the streets, the city. He brings them. Next verse. And the servant said, Lord, okay, we did. But there's still more room. Next verse. And the Lord said to the servant, go out into the highway hedges. Compel them to come. That Here it is. That my house. He's speaking of this house. And he's speaking of your house. He's making reference to the family. It starts with the individual. It transfers to the family. Then from there it comes to the church. You heard me say it. Disrupted families will bring a disrupted church. Heal and whole families will bring a whole church. Perfect will never be perfect. But yet we know what the main thing is and we keep the main thing the main thing. Next verse and I'm stopping. Musicians come. For this I say unto you, none of those men which shall be bidden shall come to my service. Next verse. Supper. Next verse. He went to the multitudes and he turned. Next verse. There's no transition right there. Next verse. That's it. Not, come, Sister Lisa, Sister Ashley, I'm done. And the men, and, and if any man come to me and hate not his father, this is where Jesus begins to shift it. Many of the writers will agree because this is the conclusion of the matter. He just basically just said, I gave you, you, can't, you couldn't come because of the, the ox or whatever it was, the first one, the, 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 the business entrepreneur, then the ox or the yoke, and then he goes into the marriage. And Jesus is like, okay, that's it. Go get anybody else. And then he comes back and he closes it with this statement. It's like an affirmative stamp and says, if any man's going to come to me and hate not his father, watch, father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and his own life. He is not saying for you literally to hate them. What he's saying is, is this. Anything that keeps them from keeping you from living for God, you've got to cut it away. Folks, this is where the line, in, people say, oh, I'm Christian, I'm Christian. Christian is a disciple of Christ. If we're not following the teachings of Christ, then are we Christian? I'm just being honest. Well, I believe in Jesus. The devil does too. Everybody believes in Jesus, so does the Satan. He was right there. He was right there when he got cast out. He believes, okay? He knew. He, everybody understands their understanding of who God is. But the question is, will I not let the area of things separate me from the banquet that God's got for me in his kingdom?
Stand with me all across the building. There's a table that God set. And again, the invitations have gone out. And I know this is, this is where we kind of right now, you can hear breaks already going. Altar call. Oh, no. Man, if I step out of that pew, something people are going to know. I, I. Man, if I go and respond, oh, here's what I'm going to try to paint for you. This is for everybody. There's a table that's up here in the front of this platform, metaphorically and symbolically. And God has sent the invitation, and he's bidding for us to come. He's not wanting to rake you over hell, tell you how no good you are and sorry. That's not it. We're all sinners and have fallen short. Thank you, Sister Neil. Jacob. I'm waiting on some of you. See, but old-time Pentecost, it's like, I think from the back, even the sound, media, all, everybody ought to come to the front here. If you're hungry for more of God, He's offering it to you. A sign of the faith of the kingdom is, I'm going to eat of His table. This ain't God trying to tell you how bad or no good we are. God's wanting to save and help and equip. I told you there's deliverance in this place today. And if you need that deliverance, just come eat of the table that He set before us. Come on, lift your voices right now. Lift your voice. Lift your heart. I think the first order would be, God, just forgive me today. Ministers, I need your help today. Ministering brethren, I need your help. Come on, just close your eyes, tilt your head back. If you can't lift your arms, your hand, I know some people are physically not able. But just close your eyes, that we can do. Tilt your head back, that we can do. Lift your voice, that we can do. Come on, just lift it to him right now. Say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me of things I've said, I've done.